Welcome to the Global Workplace, Diversity, Equality, Opportunity. Your host is Alma Besserton, the founder and director of Wimmigrants of Australia. In our program, we will showcase the global organizations who are making a difference worldwide for skilled migrants, as well as focus on some challenges the migrants face with diversity and inclusion. Now, here is your host, Alma Besserton. Greetings, Voice America listeners, and uh, thank you for tuning into the Global Workplace Radio Show. Today's session is all about women in entrepreneurship, and I am so excited today to have uh, one of the most recognized um, entrepreneurs, women in Australia, Lee Ho. Lee, good morning. It's the morning in Australia. Good morning, Alma. Thank you for having me on today, and thank you for the, to the Voice of America for having me today. Oh, you're most welcome. I was so excited when we connected last year because you are one of the people that I had to have on the global workplace because I admire really you as a person, as a woman, and everything you achieved. And um, let me uh, just say a little about uh, about you, Lee. Uh, you are founder and director of Aspiring Promotions, business that supports clients to reveal their entrepreneurial flair. That's you right. were director of Capital City Waste Services since 2009 and within mm. five years after taking over the business, you turned Capital City Waste Services into the largest privately owned waste company in New South Wales here in Australia, wholly owned and operated by yourself as a woman. That's amazing. Yes. That, that is such an extraordinary achievement. And in 2016, you successfully sold and exited the business. Mm. You also are the founder and director of the group of companies, including Zero Waste Management and Sustainable Solutions Group. You are international speaker. You are very passionate about encouraging others to achieve their dreams and inspiring entrepreneurs to find their platform and voice to step up, speak up and be the best person they can be. And uh, congratulations, you were nominated as one of 100 Women of Influence Business uh, and Enterprise Category Australian Financial Review and Westpac 2014. And you were a national finalist in 2014 Ethnic Business Awards in Small Business Category Ethnics Business Awards and NAB. And in 2017, which is basically this year, is it? I've, I've read somewhere on internet that you were finalist in the New South Wales Women of the Year Awards in a business category, New South That's Wales right. Government. And you were named, that was last year, um, as a Women of the West Award winner business category in Western Sydney Universities. Congratulations. This is amazing success. And Thank you so you much, are, Alma. Oh, you deserve it. You're just an exceptional lady. And you were featured in Ray Birds, If She Can, I Can. And you are now a mentor at the Ray Birds Mentorship Program to assist and mentor other aspiring female entrepreneurs in reaching their dreams. And your biography was included in 2016 and 2017 edition of Who is Who in Australian Women which featured prominent women around Australia who have helped shape the community. 
Well, I don't know what to say. Uh, you are just one inspirational person and you're probably 15 years younger than me, so it's amazing. You're just one inspirational lady. We'll Thank talk about so much, more Alan. of this. Oh, you're just you, you're one of the people that really, really inspire me. Um, people took bets on when your business capital city waste services um, would go belly up, but you proved the doubt is wrong by growing the waste management business up to 10 million turnover. And uh, you're one of 29 female entrepreneurs featured in If She Can, I Can published in 2015, which marked the Women's Entrepreneurship Day. Tell us, how did you start your entrepreneur journey? Well, Alma, I started my entrepreneurial journey um, at 21. Um, I left university at the time I was studying a health science degree um, to go into uh, retail, um, opening my first bridal shoe store uh, in Pitt Street Mall, which is one of the main streets in, in Sydney, New South Wales. Yes, I've read uh, within, that. that. That's amazing. Within several years, I grew that uh, to six retail stores across Sydney Metro. Oh, my um, goodness. And uh, after six years, an opportunity came up for me to oversee a waste management business um, that had just started. Um, so that's how I got into waste management. But, um, you yeah, know, I come from a migrant background, Alma. So uh, mm. through growing up, my parents always encouraged me as a girl um, mm. from Vietnamese background to study hard get a good degree um, and mm. land a good job uh, and one day retire. Um, mm. But I, yes, yes. I had very different I can, I can and, relate um, to that. <laughs> yes. I can, I can relate to that because we were talking before that we both come from the mm. cultures where it's expected to have a good degree, double degree, um, you know, finished That's all right. the education and get the job and retire and, and you, you uh, have job security for life but as we know um that's right you know the economy isn't what it used to be um a lot of jobs are being taken um by it or taken offshore so i think um especially given that uh small business is the backbone of a country like australia mm, that that's absolutely right and you you actually arrived as um 18 years old baby with your parents on the fishing boat which was basically mm. taken by pirates as I understand okay. uh, and you were in Thailand before yes. you came to Australia. Can you tell us a little That's bit about that? I mean obviously you don't remember anything but your parents would have told no. you a story. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, uh, my parents left um, Vietnam as refugees um, in mm. the late 1979 um, and I was 18 days old so we ended up um, in Thailand and um, after a year we came to Australia. We actually settled um, in Adelaide, South Australia at the time uh, and I grew up on a, a little farm in Virginia. Oh, I didn't realise that, that's amazing. Mm. And, and so when did you move to, to New South Wales? So I moved to New South Wales when I was 18 to study um, at university um, yes. and uh, being <laughs> from a migrant background, um, my parents thought as a girl I couldn't 
relocate to a different state on my own. So, <laughs> in fact, my entire family um, uprooted and moved with me to Sydney. Oh, that's that's amazing. I could relate to that. I think my parents would have done exactly the same. Um, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's interesting how certain cultures, uh, you know, are, are shaped, uh, you know, in in a certain way. And um, you know what what's fascinating me is that I can I can kind of understand why you did the bridal shops as as a as a female because mm. uh you know there is a you know every woman wants to have the beautiful dress and shoes and so on but from bridal business into the waste mm. management it's a such a huge difference what made you yeah. change uh, from something that was so female oriented and 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 beautiful mm. uh into into something that is uh, completely opposite and very difficult i imagine to manage Mm. I got into bridal shoes uh, um, when the retail landscape in Australia was very different to what it is today. Um, internet shopping wasn't a very big thing back then. And so I had enough funds to start a little tiny shop um, in Pitt Street Mall. And it was very destinational. So I had a little shop uh, on the very top level where people would have to come and gets very specialized white or ivory wedding shoes. Um, it was a business that was uh, very niche, uh, so the startup cost was very low. Um, I started with that. I knew it wasn't going to make me, you know, financially um, independent, but it was going to teach me everything I needed to learn about business um, on a very small scale. Uh, I did that for several years and it quickly grew um, into several stores and I think by chance I landed in waste management because at the time a very good friend of mine had just taken over a waste management company or, or established a waste management company um, but he was overseas at the time so he asked me to come and help him oversee it. So very quickly I learned about an industry I knew nothing about and very different to the industry that I was in. Mm. Um, but the more I learned about it, the more I realized um, how big waste management was in Australia mm. and how very difficult it was to get into. Um, and it was an industry that was very, if I could say, old school, where there was no mm. real um, room for anybody new to enter into the industry. And there was no real pathway. Well, there still isn't any real pathway mm. for um, young people to get into waste management. And I thought mm. there was a lot of um, things that I could do and things that I could learn in this industry. So when the opportunity came up, uh, when, the in, when the business went um, into receivership, that I could take mm. it over and turn it around. And that's exactly what I did. I've read somewhere that uh, because there are so many interviews with you, of course, and we understand why because of your impressive background. And uh, you said somewhere that the the business was losing about twenty thousand a month, and you've turned around the business in about five six months. That's right. And um, um, yes, can, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, at the time, Alma, um, it was losing twenty thousand dollars a month, and because I'd worked in it uh, for six months, I knew exactly where I could cut costs. So as soon as I took it over, I got rid of all the staff um, except for two. 
and um, I, I was able to cut the cost by, um, in fact, doing all the jobs myself. So um, in the morning, I'd take on a cardboard run, uh, do that for four or five hours. Then I would change clothes, go back into the office and um, answer emails, see customers. Um, by the evening, I'd be home doing accounts um, and sourcing new leads, um, new business. So it was very difficult. It was um, many, many hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and within the first month, I was able to take the business to break even. And um, every month after that, we continued to grow the business. That's amazing because I can relate to that. In, in almost every startup business and, and all of my mm-hmm. colleagues that are in a startup business, it's almost a similar story where you yeah. do the uh, a one-stop shop where you basically do everything, marketing and sales and uh, communications and meeting that's clients. Right. And I think that's the path that um, most of people when they start a business have to experience to, to actually right. understand the business and perhaps to, mm. uh, to get some funds into the business before they, they scale up. Is that, is that how you think as well? Absolutely. I think, um, I think what we see, um, I think what the, the majority of the population see as a small business owner is um, it's not the luxury life that we, wor- we walk in at 10 o'clock and finish at 3. Um, mm. There's a lot of hard work that's involved uh, in turning around a business or setting up a business. And there's a lot of sweat that goes into it that people don't necessarily see. Um, the long hours, the boss always gets the earliest and leaves the latest. Um, mm. And, and there is a lot of hard work and, and sweat um, with all business startups. It's it's very interesting because in uh, in Australia here at least I've read the stats that within a three first three years of starting up the business almost like uh, eighty ninety percent of the business mm. uh, uh, closed because people just find it too hard. And I think it takes mm. the courage and persistency and uh, and really understanding what you're focusing on within these three uh, years to, to be able That's actually right. to turn around the business. And I think your example, what you just said, is the example because we now all see uh, you in the news and, and being basically a millionaire and so on, but there is actually a sweat uh, and, and blood, as they say, you know, the first couple of years that went into before you actually now reach the point. And that's, I think, what often people forget. They they see you as being successful, but the, the path to get there might not be that rosy at the beginning. And I think that's the just, that's right. the, um, you know, the life of entrepreneur. Yes, um, and I think um, a lot of a lot of people start businesses these days, Alma, with the perception that they've got a little bit of capital, they'll start a business, and hopefully the customers will walk through the door. And mm-hmm. it's not as simple as that. Uh, I, no. I believe that there's a lot of background work. There's a lot of marketing that's involved in getting the customers to walk through those doors. And mm-hmm. I think my experience. Um, being relatively young at 21, starting a retail store has helped me um, learn the pitfalls of running a business. So when I took over Capital City Waste Services, I applied all the knowledge that I did with running such a small business into a failing business that I could potentially scale. 
Uh, and I think that's a really uh, what I've read from uh, uh, so many people like yourself, like who are successful mm. now, that they suggest to start on a smaller scale, uh, uh, fail fast and learn fast yeah. and take the learnings before you actually grow the business in the larger scale for, for exactly that reason. Um, okay. Last last week I had a very interesting lady, um, Magda Lilia, um, and uh, Chelly, and she she's an also entrepreneur. And I was actually sharing with her that I um, uh, really read the article, which was very interesting, by Grace Nasri, who calls it the shocking stats about who's really starting companies in America, where she says that fully yeah. a third of the venture-backed companies uh, that went public between 2006 and uh, 2012 have at least one immigrant founder. But also here in Australia, um, some yeah. of Australian migrants who are now the most successful people, including yourself, of course, are amongst John Hemis, who immigrated from Holland to Australia in 52, mm-hmm. uh, with no knowledge of English. Another is um, Maha uh, Sinathambi, who is a Malaysian-born property developer in, in New South Wales, I believe, who is now worth more than $820 million. And another one, Ten Lee, also Vietnamese refugees like yourself, uh, who came in Australia in 1982 and she was awarded uh, in 1988 Young Australian of the Year. So tell us, um, why do you think migrants choose often to become entrepreneurs? Well, I think the, um, for me, um, I think I, I started my entrepreneur journey because um, my parents came here as refugees. We didn't have anything when we came to this country. And when you don't have anything, there isn't much more to lose. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when people come here as refugees um, or on humanitarian grounds, they've, they've suffered quite a lot. And um, when you when you leave behind everything you have and you come to a country looking for new hopes and new dreams and new freedom, then a country like Australia provides just that. Um, there's, there's great education, there's great health system um, and there's opportunities for someone with nothing to achieve so much and I think that is the Australian dream. Um, Yes, I, 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 I've heard that so many times. We're going to take a break now, leave for a couple of minutes, and when we come back, we will continue mm-hmm. that. Uh, stay right back. Thanks, we'll Alma. be back shortly. Thank you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Immigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit Wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's Wimmigrants.com.au. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. 
Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call into our toll-free lines in North America, 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to alma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to the global workplace. Thank you, everyone, for joining us back. I am so excited um, with my guest today, Li Ho, who is a Vietnamese refugee who came when she was uh, 18 days old and now live, uh, live in, um, lives in, uh, in Sydney, and she's uh, one of the most recognizing, recognized entrepreneurs. And I'm so, so excited. For those of you who perhaps missed the first part of our uh, talk today, we were talking about uh, migrants and why why do we think migrants actually choose often to become entrepreneurs? Um, Lee, immigrants today are more than twice as likely to fund businesses um, as their native-born counterparts, and they're responsible for more than 25% uh, of all new business creation and related job growth. That's what uh, mm. I came across as, as a research. And... Um, when I work with my clients who come from overseas as a professional migrants and women in particular, and they try to get the jobs, um, yeah. I often hear the story they can't get the job or they mm. think they, their English is not good enough or they don't have the confidence and so on. And they often say that I, I think I need to start my own business. But in yeah. the same time, we often in the news um, and, and different um, uh, medias, we hear that people say that migrants are taking our jobs. Mm. So, um, how can we change this perception? What do you think? I think there certainly needs to be more discussion, Alma, um, around awareness made through the mainstream media about how migrants have contributed to countries such as Australia and America. Um, I think that very little do we read or hear in the news about the success stories of migrants. Uh, I think statistics will tell us that more than 40% of Fortune 500 companies were founded by immigrants or children of immigrants. And in turn, these businesses and companies are creating jobs and employing Australians. Um, I think in Australia, immigrants are responsible for more than 25% of all new business creation and job-related growth. So, as we know, small businesses is the backbone of countries such as Australia. And, and we talk about before the break that often uh, people, when they hit the wall and they can't get the jobs, um, you know, they spend a couple of months here, five, six months, mm-hmm. and then they hit the wall, they can't get the jobs, and they start their, yeah. their, their own businesses. And I've certainly noticed, I've been in Australia nearly 27 years now, and like mm-hmm. you, I don't come from 
the family of entrepreneurs. I come from former Yugoslavia, where pretty much you you it's all about good education, and uh, yes, um, you basically get married, and then you stay in, in in the same job for the rest of your life until you retire, mm. and. Mm. I've certainly seen uh, a lot of changes in terms of, um, in particular, a lot of women are starting uh, the businesses and becoming entrepreneurs. And um, there is also, I, I came across the, the book that talks about also lots of women in America at the moment are becoming uh, entrepreneurs. So yes. I think more and more, and, and you touched base on that before the break, that um, mm. the economy is rapidly changing. And, um, uh, you know, there are a lot of internet businesses where people are now selling uh, a lot of uh, uh, goods and services on online and becoming really successful because of that change. So I think we're going to see more and more women um, like yourself and others who are starting entrepreneur journey. Absolutely, you are, absolutely. Um, mm, and, and I just would like to touch base on... Um, on your mentorship, you you are mentor with um, Ray Birds. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, so um, I came across um, Rare Birds um, about two years ago. Um, Rare Birds was started by um, a lady named Jo Burston, and um, she's an incredibly inspirational lady. She... Um, Rare Birds is a movement. Um, it's a movement about women. It's a movement to empower women um, and to support women. Uh, I think that migrant women in particular, when they come to a, a country such as Australia, uh, due to lack of language and cultural differences, it's very hard for them to uh, assimilate and gain employment in existing companies and businesses and so I think that you know when they come to a country like Australia um, the survival mentality kicks in and as I mentioned before when you come with nothing you don't have anything to lose so you know there's all the more reason to start their own businesses and strive even harder to create a new life for themselves and their families and uh to start a new business is probably easier for them than to enter a, a workforce where uh, they have language and cultural barriers. Which is very interesting uh, because we, we're talking here about the future uh, workplace by 2025. It's all about the globalization yes. and uh, these days you can even finish university from the distant learning and so on and mm -hmm. yet... Uh, I, I don't personally believe that the workplace, um, and, and I'm talking in particular here in Australia, and, yeah. and what I'm hearing America or Canada is, is very mm. similar, I don't believe that the workplace are adjusting fast enough to that global transferable skills. Um, because certainly one of the challenges that um, when I come across the clients that come to me for, for coaching mm. and mentoring to, to be able to adjust yeah. in in Australia, it's it's almost the one common theme, and that is regardless of the uh, amazing experience and professional backgrounds they bring, they hit the wall because of the the, the lack of local experience. Mm. And and yet we're talking about the globalization. So I'm yeah. I'm hoping that um, with people like yourself and myself and others, 
helping these women and, and influencing the workplace, these things will change. Absolutely. I think that, Alma, um, we're, we're seeing a, a shift in, in um, working in any workplace these days. Uh, I think we're seeing that more women are becoming entrepreneurs because they need the flexibility to, to be there during school hours or when their children are sick. And I, I think that the workplace environment 10, 20 years ago is very different to what it is today. And um, quite often companies are not catching up fast enough. They're not being flexible enough. So women are staying home. They've got the internet at their door. Um, they can start businesses online. And we're absolutely seeing a lot of that. Uh, there's more young people in their early 20s becoming millionaires than ever before due to this. Mm. That's fantastic. I, I think that's so encouraging. Um, mm-hmm. Given given the nature of the 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 the, the industry you are in, yeah. it's it's a, such a male dominant. Um, it's almost like working in a mining. <laughs> um, yes. And um, I've read that you experienced discrimination being a young female in the early stage of your business. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that? Um. I think that I, when I started um, in waste management, I didn't realise uh, how very little women were involved in the industry and how male-dominated it was. Um, I think the fact that not only was I a woman, I was also Asian, and I was quite young when I started um, in waste management. So I wasn't treated uh, like an equal to my male counterparts and um, I think my triple discrimination became my disability um, being my age, gender and race Um, but it wasn't only the fact that it was within my industry it was the customers that I was dealing with too, they never um, took me very seriously Um, so it was very difficult for me um, in the beginning it's it's very interesting what you're saying. Um, my my guest from last week, um, Magda Chelly, uh, was talking about exactly the same. And uh, mm. she was saying that when she entered the IT industry, which is also yeah. very male dominant, in particular, she's in cyber security. She yeah. experienced a very similar challenge like you uh, when she was going on a meetings. People will not take her seriously. That's and right. uh, yeah. I've asked her, you know, what was the way that she overcome that, overcame that. And she said that the one of the things she suggests to other uh, young female entrepreneurs and, and uh, a young female who are entering industry in a leadership and so on, to, yeah. to actually seek a sponsorship almost from somebody who is a male in industry. So mm. what she was saying to me is that, she would take uh, a, one of her sponsors and one of the um, other managers and, uh, and people that she was working with who would actually support and say, you know, Magda has actually done this piece of work and uh, it's been great. So there is already acknowledgement in the room. And I thought that yeah. that was a very good advice. How did you overcome that challenge being uh, Asian, being so young and being in a male-dominant industry? How did you overcome that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that point Magda um, made, um, Alma. I think that um, 
I did the same thing. I um, I employed um, several um, people that had been in the industry for three or four decades um, and who helped me bridge that gap uh, to the point where my company grew large enough and um, I created enough credibility for people to take me seriously um, as a business owner. I, I think you just nailed the word credibility and I think that's the, the way to uh, to show the knowledge and credibility and success and then eventually the, the mm. change will occur because of you created that success and credibility. But it is that's a right. serious uh, it is a serious issue and I, I often um, uh, talk to 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 young uh, female entrepreneurs or young yes. females in a, in a leadership positions who are very smart um, yes. and and still have this challenge at the workplace not being taken seriously because of their age and I and I think um, that's right that that is something that um, we need to influence the industry and help these young females uh, to overcome. And I think um, it's not just with industry peers, Alma. I believe it comes within your own company. Um, mm. I found that in the early days, uh, even though I put on experienced drivers, I wasn't taken seriously uh, because they'd been in the industry longer. They knew what was best. And um, I, I found that I had to roll up my sleeves, do what they did, um, and learn very quickly in order to gain respect from my staff as well as my industry peers. I was going to say, being so young and a female, um, how would these people find you as a boss reporting to someone mm. who is, uh, uh, you know, 20 years and even more younger than yeah. them? Was that difficult? It was definitely a hurdle, Alma, because obviously some of these people had been in the industry um, for a lot longer than I have. Um, and to change the way that they've always done things and to change the, their views were very, very different, difficult. Um, but as I said, I rolled up my sleeves. I did what they did. Um, if I wanted change, I had to make my point and prove my point. And I think uh, in the long run, uh, slowly I started to gain the confidence um, and the credibility it would have been it would have been hard. I just can imagine you what you said before that you were uh, in a morning, uh, probably five o'clock in the morning, in the truck uh, collecting the garbage. I can just visualize uh, you in a truck. I mean, how would people react <laughs> seeing you like that? I mean, it's I it's really extraordinary. I, I I remember in the early days um, when I drove a, a you know a. a big 12-ton truck, um, other garbos would turn around and have to do a double take uh, to make sure it was, to make sure if they'd actually seen a woman. Um, and oh I remember God. pulling up to jobs where, um, you know, the three or four staff in the office would run out and watch me empty a bin. Uh, it was quite humorous. Um, I'd, I'd pull up to some companies where, you know, I'd have 10 people gathering around trying to help me um, push it into the back of the truck. So um, it helped the day That's go extraordinary. faster. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. And and uh, now you, when you look back, uh, it's, it just feels a distant, uh, you know, memory, isn't it? Mm. 
How did your parents react when you gone into the business? Uh, we, we've talked about our cultures where, you know, we yes. just get a job and, um, you know, we retire basically. What was their reaction mm. when, when you, I mean, the bridal uh, shops are yes. a bit more related because you're a lady and all of that. But when you yes. actually wanted to take on a, such a huge complex industry, what was their reaction? I think um, to appreciate their reaction, I think I've, I've got to take you back to um, my background, Alma. I, my parents are very, very traditional Vietnamese parents, so they believe mm-hmm. in um, me getting a university degree, getting a good job, finding a good husband to look after me, and um, <laughs> that's a perfect life. Um, I yes. have very different ideas, so when I started mm-hmm. my business at 21 I promised them that I'd defer university for two years only Um, and those two years became three became four became five and I think their hopes of me um, one day getting a degree were gone but I think uh, the icing on the cake was when I told them I'd get into waste management because in in my culture certainly Alma um, being a garbo is probably the lowest of all lows you can get into. And yes. um, I think by then they'd completely given up hope on me. <laughs> so um, obviously... They, they must be proud now, you know, because you are one of the most recognized entrepreneur uh, women in a country. So I'm, I'm sure that... Um, that mm. that would uh, create a different they're perception. They're extremely proud of me now, and they're very very supportive. But uh, I think in the early days, um, speechless. Yes. Is what it was when I first told them that I was. This is what I was going to do. I was be- going to become a garbo. Oh my goodness! Uh, we're gonna mm. we're gonna take a short break, Lee, and uh, when mm-hmm. we come back, uh, we will continue this amazing uh, discussion. So stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Immigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit Wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's Wimmigrants.com.au. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN. CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network.com. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call into our toll-free lines in North America. 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to alma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to the global workplace. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, today, my guest is a, such an inspirational lady uh, here from Sydney, Australia, Lee Ho, who is just so amazing. I could spend hours and hours talking to her. <laughs> Before the break, <laughs> oh, you are, Lee, you, you are just one of my Thank biggest so inspirations much, in this country. Um, you, you are really in a man's world, and we talked about mm. before the break, uh, you know, how you were uh, driving a truck uh, in the morning and in the evening you doing everything else. Do you believe if you were a man, your journey would be easier? I think to honestly answer that question, Alma, I believe that if I was a man, um, I would not be, have been able to get as far um, in the waste management industry as I did. Um, I think because I was a woman, um, I was able to enter a very protected and closed industry um, to an outsider um, and being female and being Asian and, and being so young, I think that they didn't view me as a threat. Um, they didn't see me as someone who could achieve as much as I eventually did. Um, and so I, in a very short time, I was able to learn so much and apply that to be able to turn the business around. So in short, I think that um, as, as much discrimination as I received, um, I was able to learn so much more because people didn't ever think that I could achieve what I did. They probably didn't take you seriously. And uh, while right. whilst, whilst they were doing their own thing, you were actually probably learning as fast as you can. And uh, you took everyone by surprise. And a lot of articles talks about that. Um, it's, it's interesting what you're saying because... Um, I've just read recently uh, Australian Diversity Council has done a lot of studies and yeah. they basically uh, did a lot of studies of the um, women like you and I who, who yeah. are with the diverse backgrounds and mm. they said that um, women who are um, in particular leadership positions I'm talking about um, if there are women and plus if they yeah. have diverse background it's a double jeopardy and they will actually mm. find even more difficult to get into the uh, a leadership position amongst the, the men. So even the yeah. men with a cultural diverse background will be more successful than a woman with a cultural background. And I thought that was very interesting. 
I think uh, the stigma, Alma, is that um, Asian women uh, um, have been taught culturally to be quite humble um, and be quite meek. Mm. And I think that um, that translates into every aspect of her life. So when a woman achieves great things at work or in business, they're very reluctant, especially Asian women, to put up their hands and say, I've done a fantastic job, let's celebrate this. Um, mm. They would be quite humble about it and say, well, it's, it's not a big deal, anyone can do it. But I think if we look at the successful um, Australian migrants, um, and in particular women, there are so many untold stories, Alma. Yes, it's interesting because, um, you know, for some reason these stories are not known and unless you actually search for them, as I do, because I'm very passionate mm. Uh, being yes. founder and uh, you know of immigrants to actually help these yes. migrant women, you actually don't hear about them. Uh, and uh, no. uh, you know, I'm working on it. And with with the help yes. of people like yourself, we need to actually promote these stories and uh, encourage Absolutely. women entrepreneur migrants to be told um, more frequently through mainstream media. And speaking mm -hmm. on my own experience, Alma, I've always being taught to not talk about my successes because it could be it could come across as arrogant um, but I remember the very first time um, I decided to step up and tell my story and look back on my successes was uh, when my best friend and mentor um, nominated me for an award and at the time I said no no I couldn't do this um, you know people will, will judge me um, and he said, no, Lee, uh, you need to tell your story because you need to leave a legacy. You want your children uh, to know the successes you've achieved and um, you want to inspire others. And I thought about it for a long time before I uh, decided to proceed with that award because um, he was right and I did want to leave a legacy. I wanted my children and my grandchildren to one day um, be able to share my story with their children and I want to inspire the new generation of migrants and, and the next generation of entrepreneurs. And uh, I, by, by listening to you, it just reminds me of um, other Asian uh, women that I come across as a client uh, who are so smart like you and so humble. And, Thank um, you, the the cultural the cultural difference uh, could be so detrimental for their success, um, and and that's where it's so important to actually share these stories and and actually teach them about different cultures because in mm. in Japan is the the same thing when you know Japanese or Asian uh, women in general come to Australian workplace they are not yes. seen as contributing to the team or they're not contributing to uh, conversation and can be seen as actually not having enough knowledge where in fact often they are so superior in their knowledge but they are not demonstrating that and sometimes they find really difficult to to articulate what they know uh, because exactly that, that sort of um, cultural her heritage is holding them back. Yes. And... Uh, I think it's so important to, to work with them to say, you actually do have to share your knowledge. You have to share and reflect on what you achieved. So I'm glad you're sharing your story because it inspired me um, listening about it. Even you're much, much younger than me. But 
Yes. You know, I think your story needs to be heard by all of these Asian women and other women in general who are lacking confidence. Absolutely, to- Alma. And I think mm. um, for me, I know of um, many, many um, amazingly successful stories and um, successful women entrepreneurs. And, you know, their stories often are not told because there are no platforms to share with. And you've got mm. the next generation of um Migrants, and you've got the next generation of young entrepreneurs that do not have anyone to aspire to. They don't have role models to look up to. So I think it's mm. important that um, there's, there needs to be more discussion um, and talks held around successful migrant stories, and especially women, uh, to become yes. role models. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, looking back on your journey now, would you do it again? And what would you do differently, if <laughs> I think I'd absolutely do it again, and I'll continue to do it, um, Alma. Um, I think that, I suppose looking back on my journey now, um, in the beginning of my business, I was so much more hands-on. Um, I took it, especially Capital City, I took it over as a fouling business, and I was able to turn it around. and. But yet I think I spent too many years and too long um, in my business working in it rather than working on it. And it took me right. a long time to be able to let go and step away to see it um, from an outsider's point of view and then to be able to grow it very rapidly from there. That is a, such an interesting point. Um, as a lot of entrepreneurs shared uh, exactly that and when you talk to to really mentors like yourself and others Mm. that's exactly what they say if you're going to start a business uh, for a little while you can work in your business to set up the infrastructure and so on but you can't Mm. be too much in it Um, you have to let go and actually outsource the the parts of it that are that, that can be done by others and trust others and have people around Helping you, yes. otherwise you will be constantly in it, isn't it? And never oh, really upscale the business. And I think that no one person is great at everything and has the best knowledge at everything. And I've learned yes. um, along the way that um, there are people that are very good at what they do in the positions that they're in. And it's important to um, utilize these people's skills to grow your business. Mm. I, I think one of the challenges that certainly I come across when talking to other people is uh, when you start your your own business, um, you know, you, you, you have your own resources and your own funds. And so you just have to stretch these funds until you become, uh, you know, a, a revenue positive that you can actually afford bringing other people. And that's one of the challenges, I believe. Uh, in a startup business is a lot of people experience, isn't it? So how do you balance that sort of um, uh, getting the money to bring people versus working on the business? It's always the challenge. Mm. Yes, that's right. Um, through my career, uh, Lee, and, and certainly for, for 20, nearly 27 years, I've been in yes. a corporate um until I've established Wimigrants a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've observed other women. Um, yes. And uh, there, there are lots of uh, successful women. 
And some are keen to share their stories, some they're keen to be your mentor, some they are keen to really help other women. But on a flip side, uh, some women, when they reach certain position, they really distance themselves. And um, it took me years to understand that. Uh, Do do you think um, other women support other women as much as they should? Or could. I think the new wave of entrepreneurs, Alma, are certainly very, very supportive. Um, I think that you'll find there are women that are extremely successful who um, keep to themselves. Uh, and it's probably because of the experiences that they've had to go through. A lot of women embark on their entrepreneur journey or um the journey in in their businesses or their companies where they've had no support and they've mm. they've had to fight all along the way to get to where they are. So I think that that mentality of um, keeping to themselves, of not being supportive, is because they've had no support themselves. But I think in this day and age, there's a lot of groups out there that are extremely supportive. There are a lot of successful women that are extremely supportive. Um, and, you know, I must say that you are one of those and um, starting with migrants is um, an incredible thing to do. It helps women um, have another platform um, of support and to share their stories. And um, Jo Burston um, and her Rare Birds movement is also an incredible movement. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Um, Lee, we we are nearly to the end. I cannot describe how much I was really happy and excited to share your personal story because, as I said, uh, a truly uh, you're one of the most inspirational women that I came across and uh, so humble. Thank you so much, Alma. So thank you. I really... I, I felt uh, you're most welcome and thank you for your time today. I know how busy you are. Um, and um, if if anyone wanted to reach you, what's the best way to to reach to you, Lee? Um, they can always um, reach me through immigrants um, to yourself, Alma, um, or they can um, uh, contact me directly um, at my email, um, which uh, I can give to you. Uh, okay, that would be great time. because you I'm can sure share on after the website. Yes, we, we can share that. Um, we are nearly to the end, and um, I, I really thank you, Lee, for your time today and your inspirational story. I would like to leave the session today with you with a quote from Martin Luther King Jr., because I thought it was really appropriate, considering we talk mm-hmm. about the hardship and entrepreneurship. It says, yeah. if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Absolutely. (laughs) To all of the listeners, um, today my guest was amazing, inspirational entrepreneur, Lee Ho. Thank you so much, Lee. This is Alma Bessadin, your host at The Global Workplace. Until next time, have a fabulous week ahead. And most importantly, stay healthy, happy and safe. Thank you, Lee. Thanks, Alma. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Please join Alma Besserton for another edition of the Global Workplace next Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week.